So how did you structure it then if you're like, look, I don't want to get a loan. I'm not going to shell out a million five cash up front. How do you structure that? So I hope they don't kill me for saying all this, but this is Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D2C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's start talking about money. I love how Tapcart's mobile app allows merchants to grow revenue, optimize marketing spend, and increase customer lifetime value. One feature I love about Tapcart is the ability to drag and drop. As somebody who knows nothing about how to code or where to even start if I wanted to start coding, Tapcart's drag and drop builder just makes it so easy to build a mobile app. Tapcart created an exclusive two-month free offer, especially for our listeners. Go to tapcart.com slash limited. Again, that's tapcart.com forward slash limited. All right. How many group chats are you in on iMessage? On iMessage? Yeah. Are you um, in a bunch of group chats? Because I find group chats are my daily entertainment. Oh, really? No, yeah, I'm like, in, I don't I, watch mostly TV. Mostly ones really. with my family and like a couple of friends, but not many. Interesting. In, invite me to the group chats. Yeah, there. I feel like I live in group chats. Okay. Like Fantastic. My, my nine squares in iMessage, they're all group chats. Oh, wow. Okay, great. Those are all family members. Yeah, me. okay. <laughs> awesome. All right, so what are we talking about today? Uh, we got an agenda that we're going to talk about today. It's just Nick and me. And we're going to talk about Grow, uh, which just happened yesterday. Uh, we're going to talk about a brand that you bought recently, and we're going to get into all the details about it, mm-hmm. how you make product, how much you paid for it, how you structured the deal, who's running it. I'm super excited to learn that. Um, we're going to talk about Prime Day, uh, which just happened, and how businesses did, and uh, how to optimize for Prime Day. Uh, we're going to talk about valuations and fundraising. You know, Thrasio, Thrasio stock is down 82% in the private market, which That's is insane. insane. We're going to talk about SaaS pricing on the heels of Clavio raising prices. <laughs> Maybe and a little a bit of Yakko If we got time to do all this. Uh, all but right. okay, let's start with Grow uh, NYC. I didn't go. I was actually out of town uh, visiting my family. You went, you hosted a party afterwards. Tell me everything about it. I think it's a phenomenal event. They put it on every year. There's an LA one and a New York one. So this was the New York one. It was July 29th and actually today as well, the 20th. And for me, it's a great time because like I get to invite all the people that want to get 15 minutes on a call or 30 minutes of coffee and I just don't have enough time to give. So my panel was about attribution and customer acquisition post iOS 14. It's like the thing that everybody wants to talk about. So I had the vice president of brand marketing at Athletic Greens, the CEO of Bloomscape and the founder of Barcode. And the funny part was like, I wrote these questions off of, I watched a panel at that Hamptons event. So I watched the panel that Chris Cuomo did and the way he articulated questions was so phenomenally done. Like he researched everybody. And so I did, I was like, I want that type of reaction from the crowd because the crowd was going nuts when he was doing his panel. And I was like, I want people to come tell me that I asked the best questions and I did the best research. And I did all the research. I had great questions. And a third of the way through, I was like, dude, these guys don't know shit about attribution. Like none of them are in the weeds, none of them. And they all had the questions for two weeks or so, but none of them had a single thing about attribution. When I asked, like, you know, my question was something like, you're all spending seven to eight figures a year. Some of you seven to eight figures a month in advertising. You can't be flying blind. How do you think about attribution software fitting into your tech stack? And the Athletic Greens uh, VP was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Yikes. I was like, damn, well, yeah. that that shoots the panel down. But, you know, I sent all the questions a couple weeks yeah, ago yeah. and I Terrible expected answer. somebody to just say like, hey, let's skip over this or, you know, I don't know that that well. So let's let's hit it from a different angle. But yeah, so then I kind of ditched my questions and just like 
you know, almost like a live podcast, just riffed off what they were saying. So Grow does a phenomenal job, like bringing the right brands, right? Yeah. You think of like the, like if you were to look at like Coachella and yeah. you see like, you know, Travis Scott or Post Malone at the top of the poster, like in D2C, that's like the bigger brands sure. that everybody th- thinks of. So that's the upside. And then for Grow, it does a really good job because if, if you get the good brands there, then you get the best sponsors, right? And you get sponsors with like deep pockets. I think Greg was telling me, they turned down about a thousand sponsors, you know, and the ones that were there were like uh, Gorgeous and uh, Rebuy, kind of like all the ones that everybody uses, probably the ones with the bigger pockets too. So big marquee brand speaker names brings great sponsors with big pockets. The problem is like the speakers are all run through like their PR filter of their brand. And so you don't get genuine conversation I mean, the prep calls, there's prep calls for panels, right? So everybody knows the questions that are coming in. My guess is that like they run the questions by their PR team or like, you know, they're like, well, we don't want to disclose this or we don't want to talk about that. The good side is like the right people are there. So if you get a conversation with somebody who you admire their brand or what they do, I think it's worth it like off stage, but on stage, I just don't think you get the nitty gritty or yeah, like sure. the real juicy stuff. So basically your takeaway was, you were super prepared and you're like, this panel isn't working out because yeah. nobody's prepared. Nobody else either is a- answering honestly or knows what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. And uh, the conference just wants these big brands so they can get big sponsors. Yeah. Um, all right. So you learned how to run a conference more than yeah. uh, anything on iOS 14 now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's scary. <laughs> One thing I do appreciate, they almost tell the sponsors like, look, you are not allowed to go pester the attendees. Yeah. Which I think is a very common thing at other conferences. Like, I was at Geek Out in Miami and I felt like I couldn't walk around anywhere without three people trying to pitch me a credit card or some app or something, you know. So that didn't happen, which I really enjoyed. Like I felt like I could stand anywhere, even in in the sponsorship area and not get pestered, which I really liked. Okay, so it sounds like Grow was great, but a little bit of a disaster. People who didn't know what they were talking about. But uh, you learned a ton on how to run a conference. Yeah, I would um, go again, though. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely go again. Yeah, yeah. I would have gone if I were in town. I think it's a great conference. And also, like, it's kind of like the the Thanksgiving dinner of, like, people like us. I saw so many people I don't normally see or, like, hang out with. Like, people flew in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So that's always fun, too. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, let's switch gears and move to the brand that you purchased. Yeah. Which I'm really excited to talk about because yeah. I feel like know, I haven't told you much. Yeah, you haven't told me much. And yeah. I love these types of details because I'm like, why am I not doing more of this? <laughs> yeah. And it's just super interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, first, let's start with the name of the brand. Yeah. All right. So, it's called Long Weekend. Yeah. And it's Long WKND. Yeah. Long WKND.com. Okay. And what does it sell? So, we sell plastic free personal care products. Love it. Right so up my alley. If you remember a few months ago, I was in LA and I texted you. I said, you know, do you have industrial space in Brooklyn or Jersey? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I was like, what, what are you talking <laughs> yeah, about? You were like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, well, you know, I just bought this brand and I need to ship a container somewhere and then hire some employees to like come and make the product. And you were like, you're out of your mind, text Mary. And Mary's a contact you introduced me to like yeah. a couple of years ago, two yeah. or three years ago. And, you know, she was the the woman behind the Hint sunscreen, native deodorant, uh, yep. tons of other cosmetics yep. brands. She had also coincidentally texted me that morning just saying like, hey, can we catch up? And my first, I mean, this is when anybody texts me to catch up. I'm like, 
just tell me the punchline of like what I can do to help. Yeah. You know, cause like there's nothing worse than like getting on a 15 minute call and genuinely I don't care how your day is going. Sure. Sure. <laughs> just or tell me weather. what I can do to help. Yeah. Yeah. yeah tell me what I yeah, can do to help. I'm cause you. I'm so down to help you out. Right. So anyway, so Mary, Mary texted, but Mary's awesome. So my, I was going to call her when I got in the car. Actually, I'll take this back a little bit. So when the pandemic started, me and this guy, Gareth Everard, Gareth, uh, I don't know if you've ever met Gareth or yeah. talked to Gareth. Yeah. Dude's yeah super sharp. Yeah. Uh, he's like an ops ninja. And, you know, when the pandemic started, him and I were, we were thinking, all right, there's going to be a few brands. I mean, there's a lot more than a few, but there's going to be brands that are basically, they've raised too much money. They're improperly managed and uh, we should go buy it. And Nick's side will do sales and marketing and Gareth's side will do like ops and product. So when did you buy this brand? So this happened in March. Okay, March of 2022. Yeah. And who did you buy it from? Pila. And so what's Pila? Well, let me give you a bit of the backstory. So Gareth and I were looking for basically two years. There was like three deals we came across. One was a, a tableware company. It was like your classic D2C brand, like plain, you know, pastel colors, like founders on every single podcast imaginable, every single magazine shoot, photo shoot, social media profile, whatever, and just like burning money. And we thought, okay, we could buy this great product. We can just, you know, trim the fat and do it. And somebody else actually did it, but we didn't do it because there was $400,000 loan from Chase that needed to be paid back by whoever bought it. So we said, no, thank you. The second one was a footwear company called Sutro Footwear. And we were basically like literally inches from the finish line. And uh, Open Store came in with a deal that said, you know, you'll get 75% of uh, 250 grand today. And then you'll get the remaining 25% in 60 days from closing. So then, you know, they they basically said, all right, we're going to just take that deal because we want liquidity. And then uh, and then actually, as they got in that process, they were like trying to back out because they were like, we made a mistake going to open store, but uh, they couldn't get out. And open store is the business that goes out and buys Shopify businesses. Yeah. It's run by one of the guys from Atomic uh, uh, and yeah. Keith Rebois, I think. And yeah. uh, Keith Rebois. Yeah. Rebois. Yeah. But anyway, so then Gareth had like, you know, some personal things that came up and we kind of put this project on hold. And then six months later, he comes back. And he's like, all right, I'm back to work. And I'm now the CMO of Pila. Pila is like a holding company in Canada. It's like the the sustainable P&G. Yeah. So like okay. they sell, you know, phone cases. Uh, they sell sunglasses. Um, sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. They just came out with a brand called Lomi uh, last year, which is like a tabletop compost machine. And Lomi is going to do hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue this year as like year two in business. That blows my mind. And it does. But they spent two years innovating this product. It's truly an innovative product. And they crush it from a marketing standpoint. Like they made their own Harmon Brothers type of ad and it just crushes. And so anyway, so Lomi is going to do that. And meanwhile, Long Weekend is also was also under their umbrella. And they were like, you know, this is going to do... 1.6 or 1.5 it's just not worth our time if this thing is going to do you know over 100 million in revenue sure so uh gareth texts me and he's like do you want to buy this brand and i'd actually looked at this company about two years ago when it was called habitat botanicals it was prior to the long weekend rebrand and i thought like you know it's it's a cool brand and i was actually pretty interested i just didn't have like the team to support that whole process and that kind of intimidated me at the time so now when Gareth texts me, I was like, uh, I'm very interested. And so I started doing a bunch of diligence 
And basically I was like, all right, I want to buy this. So Pila is making tons of money. So for them, their whole thing was like, we just want to offload this nicely. Yeah. Um, we want to stop thinking about it. Yeah. We want to stop thinking about it. I know Gareth super well. I know Matt, their CEO super well. And so, you know, I'm like, look guys, I'm not like a multimillionaire sitting here with boatloads of cash. And, um, and I don't think I can just go grab a loan right now for a million and a half. Is that what they wanted for it? A That's, million and a half? Yeah, that okay, was the gotcha. deal. One, and one how much point, revenue was it doing at the time? It did 1.6 last year. So okay. basically one times last year's revenue. Yeah. And did that 1.5 million they were asking for include inventory or was that yeah. separate? Including everything they had. So okay, like, gotcha. so dude, so they were producing in a spot the size of our podcast area, which is like probably like 10 feet by like 20 feet, maybe. They were manufacturing picking and packing and shipping and fulfilling <laughs> like ridiculous. all out of one thing. And so basically they put everything into a container, like down to like the microwave and the stools and like, you to know, ship to you to from ship that to me. Room. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's when, before I, we get there, yeah. 1.5 million, they're asking how much yeah. of that is inventory? Like how much inventory do they have on their balance sheet where you're like, you know, cause if, if they have a million dollars of inventory, you're sort of paying 500,000. And if they've got a yeah. hundred thousand of inventory, you're sort of paying 1.4 million. Yeah. It was probably, a couple hundred thousand in inventory. So we agreed on that price of basically one times revenue. It came with everything. They wanted it off their plate like as soon as possible. And so, you know, there was that lawyer you connected me with, Sean. Yeah. uh, Ecom Law Group, right? Yeah. Yeah, Sean was the man. He was like, I can do these in my sleep. I'll get you docs tomorrow. When I just texted him, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to buy this company. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to buy this company. I need your help. Uh, Can you make sure I don't get fucked in any way? And he was like, I could do this in my sleep. So how did you structure it then if you're like, look, I don't want to get a loan. I'm not going to shell out a million five cash up front. How do you yeah. how do you structure that? Basically, it was I picked it up for nothing. And then it's a payback over time. So it's 25% of revenue goes to them. Or 25%, 25% of profits. 25% of profits goes to them until you hit 1.5 million? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Or if that never happens, like if I'm yeah. unprofitable, then when this thing sells, they get the first 1.5. Gotcha. Okay. Right? So you got to do $6 million in profits for them to get 1.5 million. Yeah. Which is hard on a business that's doing 1.5 million a year yeah. in revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're going to be waiting for a while until you, uh, unless you sell the business. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think their thought is like, you know, it's off our plate and it's doing something, yeah. but like, we don't need this 1.5 right yeah, now yeah. anyways. You know, like uh, that happens all the time. Uh, you know, I'll talk to... You know, if you find out that you want to buy a piece of land and Bill Gates owns it, you know, you have no chance because he's like, look, you're not going to be able to get in front of the guy to make a decision where he's like, yeah, I want to sell this piece of land for, you know, a million dollars. He doesn't care. Yeah. And like, you know, I've tried to buy brands or like looked at trademarks and I'm like, okay, a Unilever owns us. They're not even using it, but there's no chance I'll ever be able to buy it from them. Right. Because they're like, look, we just hold this stuff. If you want to talk to the guy who would make the decision to sell uh, sell this trademark, you have to try and work your way up in the system for five years. It'll never happen. 100%. So, um, that makes sense that they just want it off their book. Yeah. Okay, so you get the stuff, you get a container. Uh, you're shipping now from Dallas, is that right? Yeah, so basically, this is the day I texted you yeah. for like yeah, yeah, industrial yeah. warehouse. Yeah. And you were like, are you out of your mind? Like, go talk to Mary. And so Mary, Mary Berry yeah. is like the best person in cosmetics, maybe She's one great. of the best. So I shipped our container to Mary. Mary just set up shop in Austin. Yeah. Shipped it to Mary. I was like, hey, Mary, this is the first time I'm doing this. So, yeah. you know, like, tell me where I'm doing things wrong. But I've got a container on its way to you from Canada. Yeah. 
here's the packing list of everything in it. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to arrive broken, what's not going to be broken. Like when it arrives, can you let me know uh, what's going on? Okay. And she was like, absolutely, I got you. And so uh, like it was the most homey shit in the world. Like I can't even explain how good it was. I felt like royalty talking to Mary. She's great. And so, so this container gets shipped from Canada. Meanwhile, everybody, like the site is active. So everybody, there's subscription orders that are keep, that keep going out. Pila presumed that it would take like two weeks to get to Texas. It took like two months in customs. Wow. Okay. So it was just stuck in customs. So all the subscription orders are renewing, but you're not shipping them out? No. So, so then we had to work with Recharge to push the subscription orders. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. But- customer service was getting blown up. Yeah. So our poor customer service agent is just getting hit like punches in all directions <laughs> of like, where the fuck is my order? Yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm getting charged for this and you're not yeah. shipping. Like chargebacks are getting reported. And I was just like, dude, this is a horrible start. So anyway, so one one other thing I'll say too. My goal was, you know, Moy started native with 500 bucks. I'm going to try to build this with the least amount of cash as possible. However, on the day that we signed the closing docs, a uh, tequila brand that I advise got acquired by Diageo. And so I got like 30K of equity or 30K from advisory shares. And I was like, this is the seed funding for Long Weekend. You got $30,000 from advisory shares. Yeah. And that was the seed And I was like, okay, this gotcha. is now, yep. this is all we have to make this thing successful. Let's see yeah. if we can do it. Yeah. All right. So product arrives in Austin. Some of the ingredients are kind of, not good to use, but most are fine to use. And all the in- inventory is good. What And what month is it that you're getting it? It didn't melt like, like in a 40 It didn't melt. Th- okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, this was probably a month and a half ago, two months ago. So product arrives, it looks good. And then that's when we, you and I went to Rumble and I was like, hey, what's the best shipping company to go from like the production facility to a warehouse. And you were like, I don't know, use YRC. Yeah. They're the best because you yeah. don't have to talk yeah, to yeah. them. Yeah, and deal yeah with they anybody. are the best. And so uh, I told my team, all right, guys, YRC, hit them yeah. up, like get the shipment scheduled. And then it, it went to Dallas to Ship Hero. And they gave us a great deal as well. And everybody that we're working with, I'm taking your playbook and I'm saying, look, we have no money. Help us out. Yeah. I promise we'll come back and help yeah. you out again in the future. That's great. And, That's awesome. Um, so we got our product to Dallas. It started shipping. And now it's like our fulfillment time is 90 minutes. So 90 minutes is the average fulfillment wow. time. Somebody places an order to the boxes. Like and we're, okay, so you paid nothing. You got $200,000 of inventory. You're going to yeah. sell that out. Yeah. Uh, you're going to make some profit on that. So you've yep. got to pay the uh, PILA uh, based on that. Yep. And how were sales today versus when you bought it? We just relaunched the site. I don't know if you've seen the new site. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're I'm on looking it. at it. Yeah. yeah. So we just relaunched. We did a whole like rebrand and kind of upgraded everything. Yeah. New site. We're still working on site speed, which is why I haven't like tweeted about this yet. Yeah. Uh, we're working on site speed. And once that gets down, then we're going to start like driving traffic okay, and gotcha. pushing it. And, you know, I really want to grow this thing with like collabs. So I want to do a sniff scented body wash. I want to do an Emma Chamberlain, Chamberlain coffee scrub. Yeah. I want to do a Santal 33 scented type thing with That's at New York City on Instagram. Yeah. So I want to do things that are like more creative versus yeah. just Facebook pay to play. Ads. Yeah. Um, Th- and that's so, crazy that the like you know you can pick up a brand for literally zero dollars because someone's yeah. just trying to get it off their books. I think that you're absolutely right. You can do, this. and I think there's a lot of these out there. Yeah, uh, I don't I think this is the only more. one. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, there are multiple brands. 
that are doing, you know, five to $15 million right now or three to $15 million that are on the verge of bankruptcy. Yeah. And like, you know, they're sort of going to all of their suppliers and debt holders being like, look, we owe you a bunch of money. We can't pay you. Yeah. And I think they're looking for escapes of basically someone coming in and saying, okay, I'm going to buy this brand and do something like, you know, I'll take this brand and Hey, you, uh, you, I got a loan from, you know, Wayflyer or somebody, and I look, I can't pay it back. But when we sell this brand or three years from now, we're going to try and pay it back. And that's the best that like, you know, one of these underwriters can hope for. 100%. Like, you know, if Chase Bank uh, loaned $250,000 to a brand. They're probably never going to get it back. So they'll they'll accept the idea that, hey, look, you pay it back in two years. And that's, uh, you know, that's the best hope we have for getting some of that $250,000 back. Yeah. So totally. pretty crazy that that's happening. I yeah. wish there was a more efficient process for doing this. Like, you know, micro acquirers really this process. I wish there was like sort of distressed acquirer. Yeah. Nobody just wants to talk about the fact that they're distressed. Yeah. And so all of these conversations happen via email or WhatsApp right. and, and it's like after multiple calls yeah. um, or multiple, yeah, like nobody's really upfront with the price. There was that shampoo company you and I talked to separately. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, something mammals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was uh, like we both Modern didn't find mammals. out about, yeah, we didn't find out about the price till way later. Yeah. That was crazy. There, there have been multiple instances. I remember trying to buy a brand, a personal care brand during COVID. Uh, this woman that was running, it was kind of struggling. And I was like, I know what to do with this brand. Uh, sell it to me. And like, you know, she's like, she wouldn't give me a price. I was like, look, I don't want you to uh, email me with a price. Don't use any of the letters on your keyboard. Just use numbers. Yeah. If you're using a letter, there's a problem. D email me right after this with numbers. And she emailed me a price and the brand was doing, you know, $600,000 a year. And she's like $3 million. I was like, your option is bankruptcy. Yeah. Not 3 million. You, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's five times gross. bankruptcy. Yeah. Right. You're out of your mind. Yeah. And, you know, that's just the way the world works because some people are like, look, I don't want to sell this thing until it goes, uh, until it's worth a lot more or yeah. I don't mind bankruptcy. Um, right. And so that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So anyways, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, site speed's fully optimized Fantastic. and things are doing better. But yeah, the cool thing today was uh, Harley gave it some love. He's like, this is a phenomenal site. That's awesome. So that was awesome. That was a huge, huge, nice win for the yeah, team. Yeah, that is really great. Yeah. And so uh, is there, what's an easy way for people? And I'm asking this from my uh, perspective. How can I find out when somebody's trying to sell one of these brands? Like I keep trying to get this deal flow. I hear everybody else getting the deal flow. Yeah. And I'm like, why is no one coming to me? I, I can, thought the I same can write thing. a check. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm interested. I know how to grow a brand. Yeah. And like, you know, there'll be people who buy it. And I'm like, look, I know how to grow a brand. And hopefully, you know, I wouldn't say this about you, but with, compared to other people, there's a good chance you're going to get your money back if I'm giving you 25% of profit as opposed to somebody else who may not know how to run that brand. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how to get that deal flow. Yeah, I don't know, man. I When Gareth and I were looking, yeah. we set up acquisitions at SharmaBrands.com yeah. and I would just tweet a lot of times. I was yeah. like, you know, if you're trying to sell a brand, send it to me. Like, yeah. I want to see it first. But I don't know. Honestly, I feel like the whoever is the people that loan the money yeah. to the brands, like the, I tried way, that the right person yeah, at yeah. Wayflyer yeah, yeah. or Chase. Yeah. I tried that with uh, a couple of the banks during COVID work? and it didn't work. I didn't try that with like Wayflyer though. Yeah. Um, I did hear that like the Hubble contacts guys have a business that like competes with open store mm -hmm. and they buy Shopify businesses and they say, I'm not sure if this is the case or not, but I've heard that they get first bite at anything from ClearCo if it's not working out. Like ClearCo sends them the deal and they're like, hey, do you want to try and buy that this? That sounds business? like it makes sense. Yeah. Or it I, like I set up right. something called MoizaliBuys.com and you, basically if you looked, if you Googled 
you know, I want to sell my Amazon store. Uh, we, I'd buy Amazon. Uh, oh my Google God, this site it. exists. I'd buy, I'll yeah. pay more than Thrasio and Open Store. Yeah. Let's connect. Yeah. This and is no, epic. You know, only, like nobody, nobody who is qualified, people would be like, hey, I have a business idea. I want to sell it to you. And I'm like, you have zero revenue. This, you don't have anything. What are you going to say? You have, you have an idea for beauty care? That's not anything. And so it didn't work out. That's hilarious. Uh, I never yeah, knew I this site well. existed. Yeah, yeah. You never said this uh, to me. I spent a, you know, a few thousand dollars on Google ads and didn't get any results. <laughs> Black Friday and Cyber Monday is just around the corner. In this economy, the brands that execute an own channel will dominate peak season this year. The time to build your subscriber list is now. How can your campaign get a herd above the noise? By getting on customers' home screens with a mobile app powered by TapCart. By building your app subscriber list, this is where you own your customers. They want to hear from you. In fact, they expect to hear your great deals. And unlike SMS, push notifications are free to send and the delivery is instantaneous. Get started right away at tapcart.com limited for two months free. That's more than enough time to launch your app and start building your push subscriber list before spending a dime. Again, that's tapcart.com limited. I really love that story because it shows you that, you know, people can buy brands with literally zero cash. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel like everyone who's trying to get into e-commerce is like, how do I get my first $50,000? Right. Or like, how do I raise money? Do I need $50,000? Uh, you know, with Native, we we ran that business. I think we started with $1,200. You started this business with literally $0. zero. Yeah. Um, so really amazing stuff. And I hope it inspires people to and makes them realize, hey, we can start businesses with very little amount of money. Yeah. And think about it in a capital efficient way. Yeah. And the other thing we're doing is like every single vendor that we work with, yeah. Loop Returns, Shopify, Labio, yeah. et cetera. We're just like, you know, we have no money right now yeah. in this bank account. What can you do to help us? <laughs> and some it. are like, you know, fuck off. We're not doing anything yeah, discount. Yeah, yeah. And some are like, we'll give you a few months for free or like, we'll turn your 14 day trial into six months. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, I love it. You're basically shaking a tin can yeah, in front of all these staff exactly. businesses being like, Hey, can we get some money? Can exactly. we get something over here? And I think I like, awesome. you know, if I calculated it, I think we're probably saving well over five figures right now in yeah, software costs, that's awesome. which is huge. Okay. We're going to get to SaaS pricing in a minute, but before that, let's talk about prime day, which I think generally was much bigger than people expected. Like, uh, I'm an investor in several brands. You know, one of the, one of the brands that I know really well, grew their Prime Day sales by like 300% compared to last year. Wow. I'm not sure if it was bigger this year or they were doing a better job. Generally, I heard it was much bigger. You know, Amazon released some stats that were really insane. They said they sold 100,000 items per minute, not 100,000 orders, but 100,000 items per minute, which is 1,600 items per second during Prime Day. All 24 hours, you know, all 48 hours of Prime Day, which is nuts. Did it say how much more that is this year versus last year? Uh, It didn't. Um, They said their AOV was up from, it was $52 per order as opposed to $45. They also talked about some of the best-selling items. Uh, Some of these weren't surprising, like, you know, Amazon products, like Amazon Kindles, because they were so cheap. Apple Watch, because it was super discounted. Yeah, AirPods too. AirPods too, yeah. They said diapers from Pampers and Honest. Uh, which I thought was interesting. Vital Proteins Collagen, which I hadn't seen on there before. Some pet products. Crest White Strips. Crest White Strips, I think, has been the best-selling product on Amazon, or was the best-selling product. Isn't that like P&G's biggest product, too? No, it's not their... Oh, no, it's uh, diapers, right? Yeah, Pampers is P&G's biggest one. Uh, Crest White Strips, I think, was the number one selling item in 2020 and 2021. Wow. I'm not sure if it was in 2022, but I'm sure it was high up there. The other crazy thing that they uh, mentioned was the best time... 
their best hour of sales was 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Wow. on Prime Day, which is much later than I suspected. I thought people Same. would either wake up, do it during work or something like that. Not 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Yeah. Maybe that's when they pushed, sent their push notifications for Prime Day. Or, uh, you know, they went really yeah. hard on email at that time. I wonder why it was 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. And also, is that 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern or locally? I bet it's Pacific because they do all their, like, if you look at uh, Amazon sales, yeah. if you are if you have a Seller Central account, even if you're in New York, they're like, here's your sales uh, based on Pacific time zone. Got it. Uh, you know, I don't even know if they send out email. Like, I remember, uh, you know, reading this book called uh, The Everything Store, which is about Jeff Bezos. And people were like, let's send, early in the days of Amazon, uh, sellers were like, let's send out emails being like, hey, you bought this, buy it again, or sending out emails. And uh, Bezos was like, we will make this a huge business without ever sending out one fucking marketing email ever. And so he's like, I don't believe in marketing emails. I so feel I, like I haven't seen any. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I never get, I rarely get, rarely, if ever, now that I can think about it, Amazon marketing emails. Yeah, so it's I'm not usually sure just they, like a review request. Yeah, exactly. I'm not even sure they send out emails being like, hey, it's Prime Day and Co. Shop. They probably do. But 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. was really surprising. But I guess the more interesting part to me was like at Native, you know, I've run two e-commerce businesses. We never sent out emails at 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. We yeah, were always never. Like, you know, it's always like 7 a.m. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, you know, and I, the way I thought about it was always like the guilts and the rula laws of the world. You know, this is back in 2012 and 2013. We're saying, yeah. you know, I think guilt was at like 9 a.m. and rula law was at 10 a.m. And so always on the always dot. the hours that I was shooting for. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I heard or uh, I read about a long time ago, a decade ago, was like, if you want to improve op uh, deliverability, you want to send out the email every day at the same time. Or like, you know, whenever you send it out, you want to send it out at the same time. And now I think that's complete bullshit. Yeah. I remember doing this once at Native and we were like, oh, you know what? Night works a little bit better than the morning. And I was like, no, let's send them out in the morning. Like I overruled that, which was probably a big mistake. 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. I wonder if people should be sending out marketing emails, you know, post 6 p.m. as opposed to 7 a.m. when everyone's doing it. I always, and the reason I send my newsletter at 7.15 p.m. on a Sunday, yeah. I just think like, what would I be doing in PST and EST? Yeah. It's so like 7.15 on a Sunday, I'm just sitting probably somewhere yeah. watching like YouTube. Yeah. And 4.15 on a Sunday, I'm probably also just sitting. Yeah. Like I probably just finished doing something and I'm getting ready to go chill for the night. Yeah. And even when I was at Hint and we would, you know, send marketing emails, I would always think like, all right, what is what are we doing PST and EST? You know, is somebody on their drive home and somebody just finished dinner? Like it was like 5 p.m. or 5.30 p.m. EST or PST was always a good time to send because it was like somebody's usually just about to get home from work and then somebody also just finished dinner. So yeah, like both are kind of like gray yeah. or like open times. Yeah. But yeah, eight to nine is really interesting. I feel like that makes a lot of sense. Also, you know, I could see that as like sitting on the couch. I wonder how much of this came from their website versus the mobile app. Yeah. Because that could also be interesting to see. Like, you know, mobile app, I could see eight, eight to nine working really well. Yeah. I feel like I'm usually not on my laptop at that time. Yeah. That's a great point. And you're right about like Sunday nights. We we never sent out emails on Sundays at Native and then we started to and it turned out that it's it had one of the best. best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because people like everyone on Sunday night is relaxing and getting ready and for the no work And no one week. else sends emails because they're like, why would we send an email yeah, that's on right. Sunday? Yeah. And I think that like... um you know, a lot of people are doing a little bit of work on Sunday to get yeah. ready for their week, like opening up their laptop and either thinking about like working out or like, you know, meetings or like, you know, preparing for the week. And yeah. so I think it is great time and not too late where you're like, look, I'm I'm watching TV and zoning out because this is tomorrow I'm going to have to go to work and my right. job sucks. Yeah. Uh, but really it's like Sunday, Sunday, 4 or 5 p.m. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, 
you know, HBO would like, you know, own Sunday night television. Like they're like, whenever we're like, the, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm drop Sunday night, Game of Thrones Sunday night, uh, Succession Sunday night. Right. They were like, look, Sunday is when we want to own the consumer because that's right. when they're going to sit at home and watch TV. Yeah. And that probably means that you have a lot more opportunity to send them emails or do some sort of marketing towards them. Totally. So one thing that brands did... I mean, I, I think a lot of the good brands have been doing this, but I think more people are catching on to it, is running sales of their own on their own.com. Or I forget the other like big You're saying market. on Prime Day? They're yeah, saying like, on Prime and, Day. Yeah, oh yeah, um, for sure. But I forget the other, there was another big company that ran a sale on Prime Day and basically said like, it's our, it's like, it was like a week long sale. It wasn't just the two days, it was like all week. And they were just trying to capture the excitement of like people being ready to spend I forget the name of the platform. I was trying to remember what it was, but did you guys run sales on Prime Day? Yeah, yeah. Most of the brands that I work with will run Prime Day sales yeah. on their .com. And a lot of them will use it as like Facebook advertising material as well. So they'll be like, they'll run, they'll say Amazon Prime Day uh, discounts available today yeah. in November or like, you know, in, in August or September, like they're constantly doing that. Like, you know, it's Black Friday every day. Yeah. Uh, and so that's pretty hilarious. You mentioned that and there was one thing I thought of recently, which was I saw some company on Shark Tank and this uh, brand that was like a competitor to the company on Shark Tank started advertising. We're on like, you know, as seen on Shark Tank, even though they were not on the show, they're like, like same saying product. as seen on Shark Tank. So if you would Google it, people would be like, oh, this is what I saw. Oh. And they would click and buy and purchase. And to be honest, like what happened at Native once was um, there was another deodorant business back in like 2016 that was on Shark Tank. And we saw a huge lift in sales, even though we weren't on Shark Tank because there was just another natural deodorant business right. that was on the and show. And you probably own natural deodorant. Yeah, Google. yeah. And then people were Googling it and buying our product. Uh, so I thought that was really clever. Just basically saying, as seen on Shark Tank, if you see a competitor's product on, the, uh, on Shark that Tank. That is so really fascinating. Imagine if there was like a company where, uh, you know how you have like Gartner is like the old school or like Spins, like all these companies yeah, that yeah, do yeah. like these big analytics. Yeah. What if there was one for, you know, this newer wave of like direct consumer brands and it was like, all right, they're going to plug into everybody and all the data that comes to them is fully anonymized, but like they could come out with a report or even just put out the fact of like, oh, you know, uh, there was a, another natural deodorant on Shark Tank pitching and Native saw a bump. But like, that's a really interesting insight because like yeah. if I, for example, even with Long Weekend, like I'll probably now keep an eye on like, what are the upcoming Shark Tank brands? Because they're always available to see, Definitely. you know, a week or two before. Definitely. There is a company called Second Measure. I think it's called Second Measure that does this. Yeah. It's really expensive and they sell uh, their data to um, a lot of VC funds. And what they do is they basically buy credit card data. Like they'll buy 3% of all the credit card data they can from like Visa and MasterCard. Yeah. And then they're like, you know what? Native did this much in sales. Long Weekend did this mm. much in sales. And they have a good estimate based on direct to consumer sales. But it's not really accessible to you know you and me in the same way that like Nielsen data isn't accessible to us. Right. Um, yeah, I see like Harry's and Fabletics, their logos are here. But other than that, it's like VC firms and yeah, Goldman yeah, Sachs. Yeah. It's super and, hard to get access to yeah. them. Um, but like, it's owned know, by Bloomberg. Yeah. Oh, that, that uh, it makes a lot of sense. It's fantastic information. Um, yeah. And like, you know, basically what you do is you look at the revenue that's on there, you multiply it by 33, and you have a decent sense of like, is this brand growing or not growing too? Right. Uh, it's pretty awesome. There was uh, another company that Rakuten bought that did like a bunch of order tracking for like after you place an order, 
you have an app that does, it shows you, it was kind of like yeah. Route. And then that company that was already owned by Rakuten bought Unroll.me. Okay. Where, oh, yeah, yeah. You remember that one? Yeah. And you could basically, it was like uh, consumers use it to clear their inbox of junk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I used to use it because I'd go to Rakuten and say, uh, build me a email audience that I can run on Facebook of everybody who has Amazon receipts in their email that have bought bottled water. Wow. And those types of audiences used to be some of the best audiences you could get. That's really interesting. Um, first, Unrolled.me like, ended up <clears throat> selling your data to like Uber and Lyft and all these yeah. guys, so everyone hated them. Well, that's how I found out about it. I yeah. saw it was Uber that bought it. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I think it was like, it was, it was one or the other. I can't remember. Yeah. But one of them was buying them to go to them and say, you know, we're going to put a better offer in front of you. And I read that in the New York Times and I was like, this is genius. Yeah, like, it is genius. People thought it was it was privacy invasion. Yeah. Meanwhile, they have Alexas sitting next to their bedside table. Yeah. And I was like, this is genius. I need to buy this data of everybody who's purchasing bottled water because it's right there. It is genius. You know, you mentioned that there was um, a time where Oracle would also- uh, Yeah, like, data logic. Yeah, exactly. They would sort yeah. of say, hey, we'll give you a Facebook audience of people we think will buy your product. Yeah. And so they would just drop the Facebook audience as a custom audience. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, we've worked out a deal with Facebook and uh, are the, your CPM is a little bit higher because we get a little bit of the cut for this audience if you advertise here. And it was, you know, I thought that was a great idea, which was Oracle sort of saying, look, we have better information than you do. We've created an audience of people that we think are going to buy your deodorant. Let's plug it into your Facebook ad account and you can advertise to this audience. And if you advertise, you know, you don't have to pay us separately. It's built into the price. Yeah. It didn't work. Uh, like the audience uh, didn't go anywhere. Like we tried it and I was like, this audience is worse than our lookalike audiences. It wasn't a good audience, but I thought that was an interesting idea. I remember trying that. And I think the advantage with Data logics was I could be like, I want American Express cards who shop at Whole Foods and spend more than 50 bucks. Yeah. Or, you know, people who buy on certain sites. But yeah, th those weren't that effective. But then when Cambridge Analytica, that whole scandal happened, yeah, all yeah. of this got shut down. Yeah. And there were some workarounds that were trying to happen, but I don't think it ever like came back. Facebook had this amazing thing called Audience Insights. Do you remember yeah, this? Yeah, dude, you could upload anything. Yeah, you could upload an audience, and as long as it was a 1,000 people, Facebook would be like, this is the age groups of the audience. Yeah. This is their interests. These are the other brands that they like that are like your brand. It would give you so much information. And look, as soon as that Cambridge Analytica thing came out, they yeah, crushed it. Yeah, that whole it. product went away. Yeah. Even like down to um, the numbers of an audience that's like targetable, estimated audience size. Like yeah, that yeah. went away. Yeah, exactly. Which was a real shame because I always yeah. use this benchmark uh, as like, if the audience is a, a million people, for every million people the audience is, I can spend $1,000 a day on Facebook ads. So if an audience is 8 million people, I can spend up to $8,000 a day on this audience running Facebook ads to them without exhausting them very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, and now Facebook is just like red, yellow, green, broad, yeah. medium, no good. And you're just like, this doesn't mean anything Makes any no longer. sense. Um, so it is, it is much, much tougher. Have you played around time. with uh, Shopify audiences yet? No, I've heard people say that those haven't been fantastic, but yeah, have you I done it? I, I haven't. I've, I've heard that the audience sizes are almost too small. Like 2 million gotcha. is the biggest Shopify audience you get. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's too small. And yeah, so, yeah, it is yeah. kind of small. It's like a 1%. Yeah. 
By the way, do, uh, what do you think of, the, have you seen this buy with Prime? I don't see anyone using it yet because I think they just rolled out with it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where like you have a button on your Shopify page that instead of add to cart that just says buy with Prime, you click it, you're taken over to Amazon and you can check out immediately. Like you sign no, into your Amazon. I haven't seen this. I've so, seen it like in the checkout, in the in the Shopify yeah, checkout. Yeah, this Amazon is different. That, that's Amazon Pay, which is basically like use my payment information from Amazon. This is, okay, we have a button on the product page, the PDP of your Amazon, uh, like on long weekend, I go to the deodorant page, you click uh, buy with Prime, I click it, I'm taking it to an Amazon page, I sign into my Amazon information, and my address and order information is automatically, and my credit card information is populated, I buy it, and Amazon ships it to me. You don't ship it, Amazon ships it. Because it's so already have to FBA. Be, yeah, you have to be F, or uh, yeah, you, you have, have to, to be, be FBA. seller central. Yeah, yeah. You, well, or no, vendor central. No, no, Amazon, you don't have right? to be vendor central. Look, uh, you, you just have to be FBA. Yeah, oh, look, okay. Amazon just has to have it. And Got the crazy it. part is, Amazon is basically saying you were going to sell this item through your Shopify website, and then you were going to have to deal with customer service. Your warehouse was going to have to pick and pack it. You're going to have to pay your oh. shipping fees. You guys suck at this. It's going to take seven days because you're shipping from, uh, you know, Florida, and this has got to get to Washington. Or this got to get to Washington State. You suck at logistics. Yeah. Every Shopify brand. Instead, they click this button on the PDP. And it goes directly to an Amazon page and Amazon ships the package out. You get an email confirmation from Amazon saying the order is confirmed. You get an email confirmation wow. from Amazon saying the order is shipped. And the, the brand still gets the consumer uh, email address and consumer shipping information. So you still retain customer ownership and you still have a direct link with the customer. But Amazon does the fulfillment. It's really wow. a genius idea. And do you know how much it costs? It doesn't cost anything. It basically is just like Amazon's like, we're going to charge you a smaller fee or, or maybe even the same fee of like, you know, uh, an Amazon sale, but we handle all the logistics and our shipping is going to be way cheaper than your shipping and the customer is going to get it in two days. Wow. So the, basically you drive sh traffic to your Shopify page and Amazon takes that credit or Amazon uh, fulfills that order, which is really genius of Amazon saying, look, even if you want a Shopify website, let us do the fulfillment because we're better at this. That's so interesting. And it, and it looks like, I'm just Googling here. Yeah, it's called Buy With Prime. Yeah, I don't see much pricing detail here, but uh, yeah, I'm also they, looking they, I don't seconds. think any store has it just yet. Okay, like, I don't think it. any it's store has announced. launched it. Yeah, it's been announced, got but it. I think in the next month, yeah, you'll start should, seeing stores with it. I that. should ask about that. Maybe we can discuss it. Yeah. I'll try to get some details on yeah, that. Yeah, sounds great. Should we go to the next one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's, let's go to the next one. We'll do cool. it quickly. Uh, and this is valuations. We're, let's let's talk about SaaS. Okay, so for our next episode, we're going to do SaaS pricing. Andrew Udarian had this tweet that I really want to go through as well, but let's talk about valuations here. Let's so do we're running it. out of time. Perfect. Um, okay, so basically, uh, valuations are down materially, you know, and, and that's clear with publicly traded stocks, right? Like right. Shopify is down a lot. Facebook is down 50%. How many millions have you lost? Millions, uh, <laughs> millions. Um, but you know, I'm a really long-term investor where right. I'm like, look, I, I expect to own five to $10 million of Facebook stock for the next 50 years of my life, unless there's a dramatic change in the business. So I'm, I'm a very long-term investor in those brands and I'm really bullish. Like yeah. maybe people aren't using Facebook blue as much as they would, but they're still using Instagram. They're still using WhatsApp. Yeah. You know, Facebook still has a lot of opportunity here. Producer Ben over here uses WhatsApp, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, private market valuations are starting to reflect this. You know, yeah. we, there was this Wall Street Journal article saying Stripe, Stripe's valuation just dropped for the first time ever. And Stripe was basically trading at $180 billion on the private markets. It had raised at $90 billion. It was trading at $180 billion or somewhere around there. And now they just dropped the valuation in, internally to $70 billion. Wow. For the first time, like, you know, and Stripe is maybe the, the best privately held company today. Incredible business. 
But, uh, you know, Thrasio, Thrasio is down 82% in, in terms of their private stock valuation. Bolt has fundraised multiple times in the last 12 like months. within 12 months. Yeah, yeah. within 12 months <laughs> and multiple times in the last 12 months, and their stock is down 12%. I'm yeah. sorry, 80%. Cameo down, Roofstock down, Turo down. What's going on in private markets with e-commerce? Is e-commerce not publicly traded? Uh, is, is e-commerce bad for publicly traded businesses? Some of these businesses just, if you zoom out, right? Uh, Fast, for example, yeah. even Bolt, right? Yeah. It's like, well, there's PayPal, there's Stripe, and they both do one-click checkout. And then there's ShopPay, which their mode is that they're on every Shopify store already. Yeah. How are you going to come in and say you have something new? Yeah. You know, like what can you really bring in that's new? So those were two companies that I just, I was just always puzzled as to like, well, if ShopPay, first of all, Stripe does one-click checkout. Yeah. And so does PayPal. Yeah. But uh, let's say there's room for a third. The second shop, Shopify says, yeah, ShopPay is allowed anywhere. Yeah. These guys are done. Yeah. Like who would not want to use ShopPay over fast, right? Yeah. And so, so that always confused me. I do think that Thrasio, it was built in an Excel sheet. Like I think a lot of these businesses actually were built in an Excel yeah. sheet. I don't know if their CEO or whatever like has ever built e-commerce businesses before, but like just the thought of navigating logistics across hundreds of companies, it just it just sounds like it's not going to work. Yeah, you know. Okay, so let me talk about a few of the things you mentioned. One yeah. is the Stripe stuff. Um, ShopPay is super powerful. Stripe doesn't have it, and they need to have it because they power everything. Mm -hmm. Like they're the backbone of Instacart. They're even the backbone and of ShopPay, right? Yeah, and, and ShopPay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember having a conversation about this and they're like, once a year we have moonshot meetings about what things that we should do. This is a moonshot. And I was like, this isn't a moonshot. You, This yeah. is like the thing that you should be building right now because yeah. I want one-click checkout and ShopPay is great on Shopify websites, but it's not going to get me anywhere on Instacart because mm -hmm. Instacart's not on Shopify. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to get me anywhere on Away Travel because Away is also not on Shopify website. So make it so that like, you know, Stripe, which is powering everyone, has that one-click checkout. I really think they should do that. You mentioned Fast. I looked at investing in that business and what was crazy is I was looking at the seed round and they're like, look, we already have locked up Stripe as in Series A investor. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's not possible. You're raising your seed round and you already have locked up a business as a Series A investor. I've never heard of this. And sure enough, they were right. Like, you know, Stripe came in with the yeah. Series A. Blew my mind. Uh, I passed on the deal because when I was chatting with their team, I was like, tell me how this business is going to work. And they're like, look, we are so oversubscribed. We're just going to let you in because you're like, you're, you know, you know, e-commerce, but otherwise we would never let you in. And I was like, how's this business work? And they're like, we're just going to let you in uh, because you, <laughs> I'm like, you're not talking to me at all about the business. And they would not talk about the business. Yeah. If you're like, what does fast.co do? They're like, we're just going to let you in because you really know e-commerce. Do you remember the valuation of the seed? I can look it up and try and get back to, uh, it was, you know, it's probably $20 million or yeah. somewhere around there. And I was just like, you will, you refuse to talk about the business. And I remember I did the conversation, like, you know, I, I was on the call with my brother and those and their team. And I, like afterwards, we're like, we cannot invest in this. We have no idea what's going on. We don't understand this business. And it seems like there's charlatans running the business. And so that's the reason we passed. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Good question about Thrasio. Is it run by somebody who runs e-commerce businesses or has a financial spreadsheet? I mean, what, one thing that's crazy is they're like, we're, we're not looking for synergies. We don't care about synergies. There's no yeah. synergies in this. Every business operates independently. 
I remember chatting with them and they're like, look, this is a valuation play. We buy a business at 4X EBITDA, we go public at 20X EBITDA. Right. So we get five, five times the value of the business. business. It's an Excel sheet business. I guess I'm a little surprised that it didn't work as well or it's yeah. not working as well. And I don't know why the stock is down. Is Are there Amazon businesses doing really poorly? I remember they chatted about a business called Agent Orange that they had, start, that they had bought on yeah. Amazon. They're like, we bought it in like 2019 and it was doing three or $4 million a year. And now it's doing 40 million a year on Amazon. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's a huge, and they're like, you know, we're hoping that one in 10 businesses turn out to be exceptional businesses. It's like a VC firm. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think they were also like, we don't even need that. If it, ju- if it just stays a $4 million business and kicks off a million dollars in EBITDA and right. we bought it for 4 million and we yeah, go public and yeah, it's worth $20 million to have Asian Orange in our portfolio. This is a good idea. Do you I'm think, not sure what's happened. Though. Do you think there are a lot of businesses within Thrasio that are doing fine like that, but just the the markets don't recognize it or validate it? I have no information. It's privately held, so yeah. there's no information about com- what's coming out. Like an 82% reduction in their market cap, though, is not just a reduction because of the mar- the market has changed. Right. It's a reduction because their business is suffering. It's not just like, okay, you were worth a billion dollars before. Now the stock market is lower, so you're worth $180 million. That's not possible. Yeah. There was a fundamental change of that business where things must have gotten worse from a top line and bottom line perspective. What it is, I'm not sure. I've heard that they're trying to unload some businesses. And if that's the case, please go to moizalibuys.com and <laughs> you know talk about it. Or just DM me people at Thrasio. I'd love to get involved in your Amazon businesses. Yeah. But I'm not sure what it is. There must be some business thing that's hurting. I'm not sure what that is, though. Do you still think it's worth to angel invest in companies that come out and they're like, we want a $10 million valuation. We, we're about to hire a branding agency. If anyone's like, we're about to hire a branding agency. I'm just like, this is terrible. Uh, <laughs> please go do like, you know, learn Photoshop, like yeah. learn to, you know, I remember watching somebody create like the target logo on YouTube. And he's like, let me show you how they did it. They wrote target in Helvetica font. And then they created the, you know, bullseye logo, but yeah. like Target's font is Helvetica. And I was like, fuck, yeah. this is Target. Yeah. They opened up Microsoft Word, typed out Target in capital letters, and they're like, and this is it. enough. Yeah. And so- um, But do you do you still actively angel invest in, in brands? Rarely. Only when brands have shown like one, uh, an understanding of like real, like, you know, a lot of brands will email me and they're like, we're going to be, this is the, this is a killer signal for me where I'm just like, I can't invest with this guy. They're like, we're going to be a billion dollar business in three years. Today we're at zero and in three years we're going to be a billion. I'm like, you have no idea how hard this is. Like, are you crazy? How fast did Stripe get to a billion? Do you know? I'm not sure how fast Stripe got to a billion, but I, I would think about it differently from a SaaS business that I would have brand business. No, for sure. But my yeah. thought is like, if Stripe took four years, there's no yeah, chance yeah, you're yeah, getting yeah, there Yeah, in three. that's right. Yeah, you yeah know? fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's a real a sign where I'm like, you have unrealistic expectations of how big this business has to become yeah. or how, how easy it is to grow this business. But will I invest? I think the last one I invested in was uh, the Good Crisp Company, mm-hmm. which is like a Pringles competitor. And the reason I invested in it because the founder was really intelligent, understood all of his numbers. I got a call with him and I was like, "Hey, explain to me this P and L." And he's like, "Look, I understand P and Ls. I can build P and Ls, and I can talk about hours intelligently. And I know what revenue. I, I know why our revenues." you know, high this month as compared to last month, because we did a big end cap at Whole Foods and we got Mm -hmm. a ton of sales and that did really well. And I I know why, uh, you know, our cogs are higher this month because we're putting a bunch of stuff 
on a boat and shipping it in and our cogs are going to be higher this month. And, and like, you know, he thought about it really intelligently and his valuation was reasonable. And so was his like thought process in terms of this is how I want to exit the business. Some people are like, I never want to sell this business, in which case I'm like, when are we ever going to get a yeah, return? Yeah, there's no money coming back. Yeah. And some people are just like, I think this is going to be a, you know, I'm not going to sell until it's a billion dollars. And I'm just like, you're selling Again, this no skincare product. Back. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's not, like, that's really, really hard to do. Yeah. There is a, a thousand skincare products being launched every day. And one, maybe every two years becomes a billion dollar business. So, yeah. you know, what are the chances that you are that one in a hundred million? Right. Probably not very high. So you need to have more realistic expectations. Yeah. Um, and so those things, and also like, you know, uh, one of the things that Andrew Yardarian, who runs this company called E-Commerce Fuel, tweeted about today is he's like, look, one of the things that we see when we see a successful e-commerce business based on all the research I have is really lean teams. Yeah. When teams have like, you know, 50 people or like, you know, 30 people doing 20 million in revenue, I'm like, what's going on here? Why do you need so many people to do 20 million in revenue? Yeah. Are you handing out coupons at the New York City subways? Like, you need to cut this team down. And so- I guess to answer your question, do I invest in brands? Yes. When they're run by smart people, uh, men or women, when the founders understand their business, have realistic expectations and understand the levers that pull it. And just don't talk to me about brand or product. They're like, I'm, you know, one guy emailed me, I'm launching a product. You know, athletes are interested. Everyone's interested. It's so unique. We have a big moat. I'm like, what is it? He's like, jackets. I'm like, jackets? You have a big moat around jackets? What do you, you think nobody else knows how to make a jacket? Yeah. I can buy one tomorrow. I can buy one right now on Amazon to deliver an hour. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> And so I'm just like, you don't have any understanding of the business. Don't waste everyone's time. Right. Like, it's not don't waste everyone's time, but like be realistic about who you are. Yeah. I wouldn't go out tomorrow and be like, I'm starting a deodorant business. We're going to do $30 billion next year. Right. The whole market is $4 billion. Like, right. you know, have real, like be honest. Right. And uh, I think they're not honest with themselves and they're not honest. Uh, so it's going to be hard to be honest with me. Totally. What do you think about M&A? Like is M&A certainly slowing down? I saw this article uh, in the Wall Street Journal that says Johnson Johnson is, you know, really looking to acquire brands. I I bet that they're really not, especially in the personal care or like, you know, the uh, direct to consumer space. Where are exit opportunities going to come from in the next 12 months? I don't think majority are going to be like your native exit. I think a lot of them are going to be brands between like 20 to 80 or like 20 to 50. Like I know Harry's they look for brands between 15 and 75. And yeah, and I think like even a lot of the the holding companies that exist, they look for brands between like five and 20. I think there really actually is an opportunity for somebody to be like, I'm just going to go spin up three brands a year yeah. and I'm going to get them to do $2 million a year in revenue or a million dollars in EBITDA. And then I'm going to live the best life I can. And I'm just going to like build and sell. Or like build and be like, hey, I'm running a four-hour workweek operation yeah, here. Yeah. I have $2 million of net profit coming in every year. Right. And I live like a king. And yeah. I never think about it. Like, you know, I've got VAs or like, you know, I've got outsourced customer service and I've got a mm -hmm. couple of people running ops. And this is a great business. And I never think about selling because I'd rather have $2 million a year than $6 million or $8 million up front. I yeah. think you're absolutely right about that. I remember looking at a company, I think I sent it to you a couple of years ago, Balls.co. It was like a yeah. man it's a manscaped competitor. Yeah. Much smaller than manscaped, but you know, they were they were trying to sell for 5. They were doing a million dollars in EBITDA globally. And the global thing was my biggest issue with it. Yeah. Uh also I couldn't come up with 5 million like overnight. <laughs> uh otherwise I probably would have gotten it. But yeah, I think like there's going to be a lot of those that are just like, you know, like why wouldn't somebody build a business where they're just making a million bucks a year and it takes them an hour to like that business in their in their sales deck or in their M&A deck, it, it was like, it takes us five hours a week to run this business between two people and it makes us a million dollars a year in EBITDA. 
And I was like, why don't, why can't more people do this? They absolutely can. They should. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's one of my goals is to be like, hey, let me buy or start five brands that each do a million dollars in EBITDA. Yeah. And like, you know, like you can be living like um, an average or v- above average NBA player. hundred uh, percent. You know, by, or you're earning $5 million a year, except you don't need to work nearly as hard as they're working or have any natural talent. Exactly. Um, and so I think that's real, po- really possible. Yeah. And certainly if you're, if you're like, Hey, look, I want to make 500,000 to a million dollars a year. That's super possible yeah. based on like, you know, drop shipping if you need to do it, but also something like balls.co. I mean, there's so many companies that I see on the SaaS side too, that I'm just like, I, I don't even think I've seen a company like this be acquired. And there's a lot that I've definitely invested in where I'm like, you know, I'll put a small check in because I want first access or I want to be first on the list when it becomes available. Yeah. Or uh, I want access for our clients before anybody else gets it. But I'm just like, you know, who's going to acquire this like UGC TikTok app in the future? I don't know who is. Yeah. And I don't know that anybody will. I just don't know what's going to happen. Have you seen like a lot of SaaS acquisitions happening? You know, there's a bunch of Shopify apps uh, that I think trade like that. And do like, a, you know, there'll be a $2 million top line business with, you know, great SaaS margins of a million dollar EBITDA. And they'll trade either via microacquire or a small banker or something to that effect. Yeah. Or like the quiet life broker. Have you bought anything on microacquire? No, I haven't. I've looked. Yeah. Uh, I bought a company on microacquire. Did you? On the way from Mary Berry to Ship Hero. On that drive, I bought a company. How much did you pay for it? Eight grand. And he should have priced it at 24. So hopefully he doesn't listen to this. Okay. But I thought it was genius. Here's why. So it was, I bought it for eight grand. It spits out with its current revenue. Revenue it was spitting out nine hundred dollars a month in profit. Okay. Uh, or sorry, nine hundred dollars a month in revenue. The costs of a server and like all the things behind it was like the server is like ten bucks a month. Yeah. And then everything else was like I don't know another fifty. Okay. Uh, so let's say eight hundred dollars in, in profit. profit. Yeah. Um, so you're buying it for a year. So in profit. ten months, yeah. it's like I've made my money yeah, yeah, back. Yeah, he should have charged twenty four k according to Joe Spicer's like sure. SaaS yeah, valuation. Yeah. And yeah, basically, I bought it. I want to like reskin it. You know, put like the Stripe type of uh, UI on it. Yeah, and like re-release it and get people to install it. But here's what I thought was awesome: the guy that made it sits in Pakistan. Like his bedroom did not look like he was living like a king, but I'm sure eight grand of US dollars goes a nice long way. It took him a month to build this app and he flipped it on on MicroQuire and he, he sends me messages like probably every other week of like some new app that he's already built. <laughs> and he's like, I got this one, half price for you. You know, do you want this one first? And I just thought like this kid is a hustler. That's awesome. This kid is probably living like royalty in Pakistan. Yeah. And he's flipping apps and he j- he probably learned how to code himself and he's flipping apps on MicroAcquire. That's really I just amazing. thought it was amazing. Yeah, that's really amazing. I mean, there's so many great hustle stories. Yeah. Um, that's a spectacular one. Yeah. Uh, and like, yeah, eight grand doesn't sound like a ton of money, but living in Pakistan, you know, a dollar is worth 250 rupees right now. Yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, US dollars are, hard, you know, worth a lot more than rupees because there's terrible inflation there. So that's right. pretty special. Good for him. That's awesome. Um, if you were to build a SaaS company today, like yeah. a Shopify app, what would it be? I'm not sure. Uh, I think I would build a, uh, one of our clients sent us a customer list yeah. on Slack. And I just thought that has got to be the stupidest thing ever because there's no logs in Slack of who down. First of all, a customer list is like, I don't even know how to equate it 
to like people not in e-commerce, but yeah. it is like, it's like your baby. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like your social it's security like, card. number. It's your social security card number. It is probably the single most valuable asset in any transaction, M&A or whatever. Right. It's like the customer list. Somebody sent it in Slack and I was like, this should be illegal. Like, this should not be possible. <laughs> yeah. This should almost be something that like you get written up for yeah. is dropping a customer list of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of customers in Slack. Yeah. And so it got me thinking, like, why is there not a simple Shopify app where you don't export the customer list, but it's like a separate app. It requires two-factor authentication to get in. So you have to validate, like, the person who's opening it, whether to look for, you know, segmentation in Klaviyo, yeah. whatever it is, uploading to Facebook. Uh, there's proper logs. There's, like, a proper login. And there's integrations where it's, like, one-click send to Facebook. Or, like, you can edit it. You can edit the list in a web browser and then send it to Klaviyo or Facebook or Snapchat, wherever. Yeah. But you never have to download the file. And it never lives physically outside of Shopify. I think you can download it on uh, Klaviyo. Uh, but also, like, you know, the hard part is, let's say you want to do some uh, analytics based on segmentation of, like, you know, what's our returning customer rate? Yeah. Or like what scent of native deodorant uh, are you most likely to buy again based on your first purchase? Yeah. You know, you need that in Excel format. So I think it's got to live in Excel format, but I think it should be harder to get in Excel format. Yeah. And certainly or it's like, for, so for like us as like an advertising partner, yeah. we should never get access to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It should just be like, if I was working at a brand, I would never give a, an agency the customer list. I think the hard part is like, let's say you want to run Pinterest ads. Clavio doesn't integrate with Pinterest. And but let's this say app agency. Should. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, that would definitely be helpful. That could uh, be an easy, like, how much would you pay for that a month? 20 bucks? Yeah. yeah and everybody would install sure. it because it's privacy. Yeah. I mean, that's a big one. Like, that's a good know, idea. Yeah. People downloading your customer list is a real... It's like, huge. It's very, very scary. Yeah. Um, and on Clavio, I think for like, you know, when in 2018, they didn't have uh, users like they didn't have like a status, like everyone could download it. Right. Who was using it. Then they finally said, okay, let's have different levels of users. Like, you know, you have an e-commerce store owner right. and you have a person who's just doing segmentation and maybe only the owner should be able to download, yeah. the most, you know, one of the most important parts of the business. Yeah. Okay. That's, I think that's all we got time for today. Cool. Uh, let's chat. We're gonna, we're recording another episode soon. I really want to chat about SaaS pricing, especially because Clavia's prices are going up. I want to talk about this tw Twitter thread that Andrew Udorian wrote. Yeah. And he, where he talks about what he sees as the best businesses. He saw some businesses, uh, he saw a lot more businesses get off of Amazon, or at least some businesses get off of Amazon more than are selling on Amazon than in the past. And he's looking at like 600 total. He talked about um, lean teams. The, and this blew my mind. And it was at the top of the tweet thread was he's like, ROAS is not a good indicator of profitability for brands. And I was like, I wonder if there's like a selection bias in the end that he has of the 600 brands and whether those brands are just unique as compared to everyone else who's sort of VC funded or growing or something to that effect. But looking forward to chatting about that. I also uh, want to talk about, I don't know if you saw, YouTube launched a really cool integration with Shopify. No, I And uh, I'll reveal some revenues of some large YouTubers. And then I also want to talk about Daily Harvest, yeah. which I don't think oh, we touched yeah. on yet. Yeah. And also all these D2C credit cards that are popping up. What D2C credit card is the best? Tell me right now. Uh, which one would you use? The one that I would go to right now is yeah. Parker. Okay. And it's basically like 60 days, no fee. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, really, I, I think this is great. Uh, I'm excited that we're doing it where it's just the two of us and no guests. Agreed. Uh, and so we're going to record another one uh, coming up. So yep. thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. 